Councillor Fletcher, please sit. We are working on that. Councillor Fletcher. Tonight, council chaos, the disorder and drama surrounding Toronto's mayor and one of the most important votes of the year. Good evening. Most years, Toronto's budget would normally be a primary focus at City Hall, but tonight it has almost taken a back seat. Today's meeting was hampered by disruptions and outbursts and the controversy facing John Tory following the revelation of his affair with a former staffer. We have comprehensive coverage on this story for you tonight. Mike Walker is following reaction from the public on Tory and the budget talks. Scott Lightfoot is at Queen's Park with the details of the province's position on the mayor and his support from the premier. But we begin tonight with Natalie Johnson and the efforts of Tory and his council to sign off on a contentious multi-billion dollar fiscal plan for the city. Natalie. Well, Zoraida, that budget debate is still underway at this hour, but this is far from your typical council meeting. The chatter in the chamber here tonight is all about John Tory's future as mayor. Will he stay or will he go? Sir, are you reconsidering your decision to resign? No comment from the mayor on his scandal this morning. John Tory is still hanging on to the top job five days after he said he would resign. The mayor said he's resigning. The sooner that happens, the sooner we can get on with the business of making Toronto a great place to live. Tory pledging to stay on until his budget is passed. But the longer this very unpredictable time continues, the more confusion will ensue, and that's no good for Toronto. But the longer it went on, the louder the calls from Tory's allies for him to stay on as mayor. Look, I think he's he's the man for the job. I think he's doing uh, done a lot of great work here in Toronto. Uh, I'd like to see him continue to do that. It will be a disaster if he resigns. Uh, I think John Tory is the only mayor that could uh, move forward in the next four years. Some of those allies suggesting Tory take a leave of absence and wait until the integrity commissioner rules on his affair with a staffer. You know, maybe the mayor needs to take some time to reflect. You know, time brings clarity, and I think that might be a, a good idea. We do not condone this behavior in any way, and it's totally inappropriate to have a relationship of this nature with a staff member. That being said, we have heard from thousands of residents of Toronto that they do not want an unnecessary by-election costing the taxpayers 15 to 18 million dollars. Sir, it sounds like a lot of your council colleagues are suggesting that you stay on as mayor. Are you listening to them? We've got a budget to look after here. We're going to do that. As for that budget, Tory holds unprecedented strong mayor power to push it through, including the contentious 50 million dollar increase to police funding and a decision to not open warming centers 24-7 as part of a public health crisis. One councillor today trying to claw back the proposed tax hike by pressing pause on the city building fund. The one thing that council has control over, absolute control over, is the tax bill that we present to people. Amendments that, if passed, John Tory could veto if he stays on as mayor. Council just announced it will be taking a short break, but will continue this budget debate into the night. It is possible that John Tory will submit a letter of resignation after the vote. The mayor's office has said that any official update on what comes next for Tory will come after this budget process is complete. That could be tonight, it could be tomorrow, or it could be weeks. Reporting live from the chamber, Natalie Johnson. Nathan, over to you. All right, thank you, Natalie. The mayor's office had said Tory planned to stay on through the budget as a way to ensure an orderly transition. However, today's events inside council were anything but. 
CTV's Mike Walker joins us now with the details of the disruptions and what role the public played in the budget drama. Mike. Well, Nathan, some raucous and tense moments inside the council chamber as protesters repeatedly interrupted Mayor John Tory. It forced council to go into recess twice. All of this playing out before councillors were able to begin the budget debate. A chaotic start to city council with little progress as protesters interrupted and drowned out Mayor John Tory. Expressing frustration over Tory's decision to stay on for the budget after announcing his intentions to resign amid an affair with a former staffer. Abuses power in front of all of our faces, spitting in all of our faces to have the audacity to show his face here today. In the circumstances. Protesters repeatedly disrupting the mayor, voicing their disapproval of his budget. His budget is um, a travesty. It doesn't support people who really need it in the city. Um, it's an increase in the police budget when there is much more urgent need in the city for affordable housing, for a shelter system. The council chamber cleared twice. Some protesters who refused to leave were forcibly removed by security. We can all acknowledge it's a little hot. There's always protests and people have a right to protest. Among those watching the proceedings closely are advocates and frontline workers for the homeless, affordable housing and transit, who argue the budget abandons the most vulnerable. We wanted to see a budget that put in warming centers, respite centers, shelters. What do we want? Earlier in the day, they rallied outside City Hall for change, calling for a new compassionate budget. We need to build a livable city and that this budget is not going to be doing that. To pass a budget that is tackling the housing and the homelessness crisis in the city, that is tackling the food insecurity. Reverse TTC service cuts, paying more for less TTC service is unacceptable. Opposing the use of the strong mayor powers, they argue the budget should be left to council without Tories' involvement or be set by a new mayor. Whoever is going to be putting forward a budget if in the strong mayor system, they need to be accountable for what happens afterwards. And this mayor is not going to be around for that. The mayor's office has stated Tory's intention to stay on for now is to ensure the budget is finalized. Now, by this afternoon, it was mostly city staff sitting in the council chamber. Uh, those individuals who disrupted the meeting earlier in the day were barred from returning. A committee room was set up for the public to watch the proceedings. Reporting live on Mike Walker, Zoraida, back to you. Thank you, Mike. Well, the reaction to the controversy surrounding Tory has been mixed, but one ally outside of council chambers is throwing his support behind Toronto's mayor. CTV Scott Lightfoot is at Queen's Park with those details. Scott. Was right. As you heard in Natalie's report, there are a number of city councillors who believe John Tory should not resign. And today, that message was amplified by the premier of this province. Once a political foe, Doug Ford now says he thinks John Tory should stay on as Toronto's mayor. It was an enthusiastic show of support from the premier of the province. Is he the best thing that, that we have in Toronto? Yes, he is the best thing. And let's not upset the apple cart for a personal issue he's dealing with. He's a really, really good mayor, and let's move forward. Nothing but nice words this morning during a stop in Brampton from the man who once ran against John Tory to be mayor of Toronto. Doug Ford says he doesn't believe Tory needs to step down. My opinion, uh, it's not time to change. Everything's going tickety-boo in Toronto, working well with the federal and provincial government, and uh, what happens in their private life is strictly up to the mayor and their family. Like very many Torontonians... 
I was very surprised, even shocked by what we learned on Friday night. Canada's Deputy Prime Minister says she thinks Tory is making the right choice and that reports she's encouraged him to stay on are false. He took responsibility for that mistake. He apologized for that mistake. And he took responsibility by resigning. That was the right thing to do. And that was the necessary thing to do. Whatever Tory decides the right thing to do is, the Premier confirmed today that the recently enacted strong mayor powers from the province will continue for whomever takes the role next. In fact, the Premier says he wants to expand those powers. Doug Ford also said he will work with anyone who's elected mayor of Toronto before saying this. If a lefty mayor gets in there, God help the people of Toronto. We saw it before when Rob was there. Taxes going through the roof. But folks, I'll tell you, if a left-wing mayor gets in there, we're, we're toast. I'll tell you, it'd be a disaster in my opinion. Well, the Premier did answer a number of questions about John Tory today. He refused to speak about the specific incident that has led to the mayor's resignation, saying that's a personal matter between the mayor and his family. Doug Ford did say, however, he has spoken privately with John Tory since Friday night's announcement. Morning live outside Queen's Park, I'm Scott Lightfoot. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Scott. And CB24 will have special coverage of what comes next for the city following Tory's resignation. CB24's Lena Latifat has a preview. Nathan Zoraida, there is so much to talk about at Toronto City Hall these days. You know, John Tory, he was supposed to be the mayor that would bring stability back to this place. Yet here we are talking about yet another mayoral scandal. And with all this political drama unfolding, people in our city have questions. Questions like what happens next? What happens once John Tory submits his resignation? What about that by-election? How much would that cost? Join us on CP24 tonight for our special coverage of Toronto after Tory. We're sitting down with city councillors, with political experts, and we'll be hearing from you, the people in this city. Toronto, we really want to make sure you are a part of this conversation, so join us. Our coverage begins at 8 p.m. I'll see you then. Thank you, Lena. And as Lena mentioned, you can catch Toronto after Tory tonight at 8 p.m. on CP24. It may have been a balmy day, especially for February, but some extremely high winds made for a dangerous situation along the QEW. OPP tweeted out this video of a transport truck that was blown over while on the Skyway in Hamilton. No injuries were reported, but those winds almost becoming the main weather story of the day. Lindsay Morrison is here with the current conditions. Lindsay. It was a big part of the story today, weather-wise, Nathan. Uh, the temperature, the other story, and we'll talk about that next, but look at the peak wind gust in the Hamilton area. 93 kilometers per hour, closer to 100 K in Windsor, and we experienced gusts close to about 80 kilometers per hour here in Toronto. It's still windy, gusting close to 70 K at this hour with winds out of the west. Temperature now just starting to take a little bit of a tumble, but it's all relative. We're still very mild, 11 degrees here in Toronto province. We made it to an afternoon high of 15 degrees, smashing the previous daily temperature record for the 15th day of February. And while we had some showers earlier on, it's dry right now around the GTA. That won't be the case at this time tomorrow, though. Coming up, we'll talk about the potential for some freezing rain for your Thursday evening commute. That's ahead. For now, though, Zoraida, over to you. Thank you, Lindsay. The OPP call it a game changer. New license plate scanners that can instantly reveal almost any violation. We have the details coming up.
Controversy is brewing west of the city tonight in Oakville. There is a meeting tonight to decide on a school dress code in that region, but not for students, for the teachers. CTV's Andrew Brennan joins us now. Andrew, what is this about? Well, Zoraida, a controversy that has snowballed, snowballed to the point of almost enveloping the globe. International headlines, viral videos continuing one after another. But for one Oakville high school, this situation has led to not one, not two, but over a half dozen bomb scares. A bomb threat was sent to Oakville Trafalgar High School overnight. Halton Regional Police confirming it is at least the ninth since September. Students knew something was up during morning announcements. They just said that the two teachers come to the office and then my teacher went to go lock the door. The threats began after images of a teacher at the school went viral, showing the shop instructor wearing large prosthetic breasts. Some parents raised concerns to the school board. We'd asked for a very simple solution from them, which was to, to affirm the student dress code as applicable to the teachers. Lawyer Rishi Bandu is a parent of a grade nine student at the school. He says the issue for him is not about gender expression, but professionalism in the classroom. There has to be standards of professionalism that apply within our workplaces and particularly within a school. Um, and, and, and so that's the message that, that we give to our children. Some students also say it's unfair. They have a dress code, but the teachers do not. It's not because she's trans, it's because she's a uh, teacher at the school. I don't think this has anything to do with gender identity at all. Julia Malott ran to be a school board trustee out in Kitchener and was enlisted by parents to speak as a delegate before the board to make sure any policy would be trans-inclusive. I have a daughter, and if she was in the classroom and the teacher was wearing something very sexualized, it would be at minimum distracting and quite possibly a lot more. And in the particular case here with Halton, we've seen that it has been. The school board ordered the director of education to create a new policy for teachers last month. The final version is expected in March. And tonight we are in Burlington where the director of education is giving a preliminary update on what could be in that policy and delegates are speaking to the board. Now, one thing we heard from several delegates is there's a lack of transparency, they say, from the school board when, ironically, they had to give their comments what they were going to say to the board in advance. We did reach out to the school board. A spokesperson told us that this was a part of policy and other than that, they would not be giving interviews today. We also did reach out to the teacher in question at the center of all of this to ask for their story. We have not heard back. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. Zoraida, we'll send it back to you inside. Thank you, Andrew. One man is dead following an industrial accident near Islington and Steeles this morning. Police were called to Milwick and Milvin Drives just before 10 a.m. The details surrounding the man's death remains unclear and the Ministry of Labour is now investigating. Turning now to a CTV News investigation, Ontario's insurance regulator says a major company was wrong when it told a man badly injured in a hit and run that he should find caregivers to work for less than minimum wage. The regulator's comments coming in response to an investigation by CTV's John Woodward, who tells us tonight the practice may be much more common than previously known. Frustrating and it's heartbreaking. A feeling Lori Davis gets all too often when trying to get care for clients injured in car crashes. So very often the provider increasingly has to say to the insurer, we cannot provide care for this at this amount. She hears insurance companies quoting Ontario rules that say they can only pay $14 an hour for attendant care, less than Ontario's minimum wage of $15.50.
Bad. That's how much Alan Weymouth says economical yeah, insurance required him to pay a personal service worker after his femur was shattered in a hit and run last year. He can't walk or do basic tasks and said finding anyone to care for him at that rate was impossible. It's sad. They shouldn't be able to get away with treating people like that. Lawyers say Weymouth is far from the only one, with other insurers adopting economical's approach in the last few months. It's at a crisis point where accident victims are not getting the treatment, not getting the attendant care they deserve because insurance companies have misinterpreted the law and have focused on their profits as opposed to the people who they're supposed to help. When we asked Ontario's insurance regulator, it told us this approach applies their rules incorrectly. The Financial Service Regulatory Authority's guidelines do not set an hourly wage. It invited anyone facing this to complain. One lawyer says the regulator should go further and prosecute economical. It has responsibility to address insurer conduct, and so they have created a regulation um, and the regulation is called unfair and deceptive acts and practices. It's not right. NDP insurance critic Tom Rakosevic says another solution could be raising the rates, which have been stuck since 2018. Well, the government needs to step in and these guidelines need to reflect what PSWs deserve and what they actually earn. And there's no excuse for insurance companies to be doing this. They're raking in uh, record profits. When we first approached economical insurance, they told us they were just following the rules. After the regulator's response, they referred our questions to an insurance industry lobby group. John Woodward, CTV News. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. Toronto firefighters were busy battling a house fire in Scarborough this morning. The blaze broke out just before 6 a.m. at a three-story home in the Scarborough Village area south of Kingston Road. The cause is not yet known. No injuries have been reported. Violent and brazen, we have new details about a record number of pharmacy store robberies in Toronto. Ten people have been arrested, six are minors, in total 60 charges laid in an investigation police are calling Project Mayhem. CTV's Austin Delaney has the story. It is called Project Mayhem, formed after 26 pharmacies were robbed since December. Ten people arrested. Of those ten arrests, six of them were young persons. Eight of the individuals arrested were ready before the courts on firearm, robbery, and property-related offences. And they were out on bail. Boys aged 14, 15, 16, and 17 among those arrested. Last year, a record number, 124. So far this year, already 45, compared to 11 at this time last year. Police say the increase in these brazen robberies can be linked to the money the narcotics are sold for on the streets. It's very, very lucrative. Um, uh, there's a clear demand for prescription narcotics and uh, for whatever reason the young, uh, young persons involved and those involved that ply their trade in doing these kind of robberies are lured by the quick money that they can make uh, by returning uh, or selling these uh, prescription narcotics on the street. Uh, we're talking upwards, uh, intelligence suggests that we're talking upwards of $60 uh, per pill. The body that regulates pharmacists in Ontario has recently made it mandatory that pharmacies have time-delayed safes that dispense narcotics. Based on the evidence and data from other jurisdictions in Canada and elsewhere, it shows a dramatic decrease in uh, robberies, um, up to 94% in British Columbia since it's been implemented. 
Once the pharmacist puts the code into the safe, it takes about five minutes for the narcotics to be dispensed. Too long a wait for an armed robber trying to make a quick escape with as many drugs as he can get his hands on. Austin Delaney, CTV News. Coming up, she was considered one of Hollywood's first iconic sex symbols. Film and TV star Raquel Welch has died at the age of 82. We look back on the life and career of the legendary actress. Transit drivers in Quebec held a minute of silence this morning in honor of the victims of last Wednesday's deadly bus crash at a daycare centre. Buses across the Montreal region came to a stop at 8.24 this morning at the time of the incident in Laval a week ago. Two young children were killed. Six others were sent to hospital. The 51-year-old driver is facing several charges, including two counts of first-degree murder. Some tense moments in a Buffalo courtroom today as the gunman in a mass shooting last year faced sentencing. A victim's family member was reading out a statement when a man lunged at the defendant. We like our kids to go to good schools. We love our kids. We never go in no neighborhoods and take people out. Don't do it. Officers rushed 19-year-old Peyton Gendron out of the court before proceedings later resumed. Gendron pleaded guilty in November to charges of murder and domestic terrorism motivated by hate. Ten black people were killed when he opened fire at a Buffalo supermarket. The self-described white supremacist broadcast his actions online. You recorded the last moments of our loved ones' lives to garner support for your hateful cause, but you immortalized them instead. We are extremely aware that you are not a lone wolf, but a pawn of a larger organized network of domestic terrorists. And to that network, we say, we as a people are unbreakable. Gendron was sentenced to life in prison without parole. He also faces a number of federal charges that could carry the death penalty. RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky says she plans to retire next month. Lucky's five-year term was up for renewal in the spring. The top Mountie has faced criticism over the RCMP's response to the Nova Scotia mass shooting and Freedom Convoy protests. Lucky says she is proud of the steps taken during her tenure to modernize the RCMP through increased accountability and measures to address systemic racism. She joined the RCMP in 1986 and was the force's first permanent female commissioner. The Prime Minister departed this afternoon for the Bahamas and a summit of Caribbean leaders. Justin Trudeau will be taking part as a special guest, joining 20 Caribbean leaders in Nassau. They'll be discussing regional issues, including the deepening crisis in Haiti. The country has been rocked by gang violence. Haiti's unelected Prime Minister wants foreign military intervention, and the U.S. has suggested Canada take the lead. Back at home, police are looking for the driver seen in this video going the wrong way down the 403 in Mississauga. The OPP shared the dash cam footage from a transport truck. No one was injured, but it did cause some scary moments for motorists. Investigators believe an elderly woman with dark hair was driving the sedan. Drivers across the GTA might want to double-check their credentials before hitting the road as an automated license plate reader rolls out. Provincial police will now be able to easily identify and apprehend drivers for minor and major infractions. CTV Sean Lethong explains. For the Ontario Provincial Police, this sound is changing traffic enforcement. It comes from the Automatic License Plate Reader, or ALPR, a device that scans every license plate on the road. The ALPR 
is uh, running the license plates. Um, it recognizes them automatically, runs them automatically, and will give me an alert if there's uh, a violation. For this drive along the 401, OPP Sergeant Ted Dongleman's is about to pull over a car for an expired license plate. I will be right back. The ALPR is not new, but the OPP are now using the technology in every cruiser across Ontario. This small scanner allowing officers to look for an expired license plate, suspended license, a stolen car, an arrest warrant, or a vehicle of interest in, say, an Amber Alert. This vehicle would be released with just a warning. Is the man in your, in your name? As some are still unaware that license plates must be renewed despite being free, this is the most common infraction. Soon we're back on the road. While the OPP cruiser was pulled to the side of the road, there were several more hits. Since the rollout, Sergeant Dongleman says... We have seen uh, uh, numerous uh, occurrences in a very short period of time. And pretty soon, there was another hit. On our system, uh, it's ran a plate that shows a revoked license. The red Ford Escape pulling into a parking lot before Sergeant Dongleman's pulls them over. Right back. The sergeant talking to the driver who seems to have an explanation. The driver had uh, been into the office this morning and renewed her license and her uh, license plate. The driver having heard about the ALPR system and raced to the ministry to update her license. Literally this morning at like 10.30, I updated it. <laughs> so for this one, there will be no ticket. Everything checks out. Once back in the cruiser, there are more hits. The system is working, making the OPP much busier. So drivers, be aware. Sean Leithong, CTV News. Still to come, a ski hill in an unlikely place. How a small slope is giving new skiers the opportunity to sharpen their skills. Tonight, Pat Foran coming up on consumer alert. Distraction thefts remain a concern here in the GTA. A Scarborough man says he was approached by a couple who claimed to be selling gold jewelry. The gold was fake and he had his real gold chain stolen. I love that story. That's just ahead. So we had some showers today courtesy of a low pressure system. And here comes the next one. And this one, you can see a couple of different colors there, could bring us a swath of freezing rain and it might happen just in time for tomorrow's evening commute. This is your traveler's forecast. Mixed precip, ice pellets, a risk of freezing rain all in there along with potential for some wet snow. By Friday, it's our coldest day of the week, but a rebound in temperatures is expected for the long weekend. Your full forecast is coming up. Toronto police are calling for people to be on the lookout for distraction-style thefts. Thieves may be looking to steal your jewelry, purses, or wallets. A Scarborough man was recently approached by a couple who tried to sell him gold jewelry. They ended up stealing his gold chain instead. Pat Foran has the story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Zoraida and Nathan, distraction thefts are not new, and police say sometimes criminals will move from city to city trying to catch people off guard. They'll often target seniors wearing visible jewelry, and they're able to take it in less than a minute. She was hoping that when I, whoever dies to keep that pass to the children. Isa Demirovsky says two weeks ago he was walking out of the Scarborough Town Centre when he was approached by a woman. She walked up to him and put what looked like a gold chain around his neck. She put this chain around me and at the same time stole mine. And this is all fake. 
fake. It looks like a gold, and it's all fake. As a woman put the chain on him, a man approached Demirovsky to buy what appeared to be gold jewelry. When he refused, the couple jumped into a dark SUV and drove off. Demirovsky says when he got home, his wife noticed his gold chain was missing. And my wife right away said, where is your chain? I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I started panicking. He went to a jeweler and was told the chain and all the jewelry he had been given was worthless. Everything is fake. Demirovsky says the chain he was wearing was a gift from his wife. She had her gold jewelry melted down for the custom-made chain and cross, which they say is valued at about $4,000. Chain means everything to me that's sentimental as present from my wife. It's a cross. Every night when I go to bed, I'm praying. CTV News did a similar story in 2020 when a North York senior opened his door to a woman he didn't know. She placed a fake gold chain on his neck and removed a real gold chain he was wearing. Crime Stoppers has done a video warning the public about the scam and how quickly distraction thefts can happen. Be suspicious if anyone approaches you and tries to put jewelry on you or sell you gold rings or chains. Demirovsky regrets being so trusting. I feel... So hopeless without that chain. And distraction thefts can also happen when you're paying at a cash register or using a bank machine. Always be aware of your surroundings. And if someone randomly tries to get your attention, keep a close eye on your belongings. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. All right, to the forecast, warm but also very windy. It is windy, but I, it's unbelievable out there. Mm -hmm. It really feels like spring. 15 degrees on the 15th day of February. Uh, we haven't been able to say that in a very long time. We smashed a daily temperature record today. And, you know, we came close to our all-time February uh, high record temperature. But uh, I think we're going to remember today for it being windy, but even more so for just how mild it was. Don't get too used to this. We do have cooler air that's going to move in over the next 24 to 48 hours. But then that. That, too, is brief, and we're going to be warm again by the time we reach the weekend. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Look at the difference right now between northern parts of Ontario and the south. In fact, there's an extreme cold warning in place uh, for the Piawanic area, where it is minus 27 degrees right now. Compare that to 15. That was our forecast uh, daytime high for today, and we reached it, making it to 14.9 degrees unofficially breaking a record, but I think it's safe to say we did so. 12.2 degrees is what we had to beat. That record was set back in the year 1954. And there's the all-time February record, 17.7. Didn't quite get there, but that's okay. It was still very mild regardless. We're still dealing with some pretty strong winds coming out of the west right now, gusting to about 70 kilometers per hour. Those winds really strengthened uh, late this morning and then uh, continue to be strong right now, but we're going to see the winds continue to ease into the evening hours tonight and by tomorrow just a light breeze out there temperature wise for tonight eventually we make it to a low of minus one that is our average daytime high at this point in the month of february and then tomorrow four that's about where we'll land for the daytime high i do want to talk about the potential for some pretty active weather by the time we reach uh, this point tomorrow courtesy 
of our next system. So there's the one that brought us some showers. Uh, this is what's waiting in the wings. And with this one, we could experience a couple of different types of precipitation, maybe some wet snow. There's a risk of freezing rain, ice pellet potential, and then perhaps simply just a little bit of rain as well. So let's take you through the timing. Waking up tomorrow, it's going to be a mostly dry day. It's about mid-afternoon that this looks to get going. And then it continues uh, through the evening hours. Notice how close to that uh, line of wet snow we're going to be in the city of Toronto might pick up a quick two centimeters of wet snow. Heavier snow expected for areas further to the north, Barry and north of that. Into Friday, the clouds are going to clear. We're going to enjoy some sun. There's a chance of a few flurries. And Friday is uh, looking like at this point our coldest day of the week. Minus two degrees is what we're forecasting. Overnight low, minus 10. Then over the weekend, we're back up with highs of around four or five degrees. Uh, some sunshine into the day on Saturday as well. A little more cloud cover for Sunday and Monday. That's of course, family day, a few scattered flurries in the forecast through the middle part of next week. That's your look at the forecast for now. Zoraida, over to you. Thank you, Lindsay. Well, the weather lately providing just as many twists and turns as the drama inside City Hall. CTV's Janice Golding has more on how people across the region were enjoying this warm Wednesday, including one group taking a few turns of their own outside City Hall. The skies may have been gray much of the day. But a melt was underway as temperatures hit 15 degrees Celsius in the GTA today. I love it. Too many. It felt like spring was in the air. It's terrific. I love this April weather. It's wonderful. Come on hiking with us sometime. As they enjoyed some fresh air at High Park. It's been really lovely. The kids can come out. They can have their hands out of gloves and wave at all the other babies around. Uh, with babies, we just have to get out at least once a week or we just cabin fever. But um, luckily, it's been so good lately, we've been able to do multiple days a week. At a Midtown dog park, Adam and his puppy Asker were also enjoying the warmer weather. We're always, we're usually out here for at least 40 minutes to about an hour and a half. So uh, at least my fingers don't actually freeze off. While the winter thaw was welcomed by a lot of outdoor enthusiasts, it wasn't appreciated at Nathan Phillips Square, where a temporary hill was set up for skiers and snowboarders. This weather hasn't cooperated, but we're making the best of it, and uh, the snow resorts are actually doing quite well. And outdoor skating was a no-go today, with rinks looking like this. Still, most weren't complaining about a break in the winter chill. It feels really great, okay, as long as there is no rain. Some people took in coffee on an outdoor patio, while others enjoyed an icy drink while out for a stroll. doesn't really feel like winter in Canada anymore. Although, you can't make everyone happy. It feels kind of cold to me. And it's going to get even colder still, with temperatures dropping through the evening and overnight. Janice Golding, CTV News. Coming up, a look at the life and legacy of an American actress and movie star. Raquel Welch has died at the age of 82. Major automotive company Magna is expanding with a new location in Brampton. And I'm pleased to announce that our government is supporting Magna's expansion with a $23.6 million investment through Invest Ontario. While the world faces economic uncertainty, we have a plan. A plan that will see Ontario continue to be a North American leader in auto manufacturing. The company says the operation, as well as expansions to its locations in Guelph, Belleville, Newmarket and other cities, will create more than a thousand jobs across the province over the next few years. Ontario's finance minister says the province's economy is resilient enough to withstand a possible recession. Now we know these are challenging 
economic times for many. And as we navigate the, un the economic uncertainty, one thing I have absolute confidence in is the resilience of Ontario's workers, businesses, families, and people. In an announcement today, Peter Bethenfalvy says Ontario's fiscal situation has improved by billions, although there is still a deficit. Bethenfalvy credits the improvement to higher corporate tax revenue and increased revenue from sales taxes. January home sales fell to their lowest level in 14 years, with many buyers and sellers sitting on the sidelines. As market watchers wait for real estate trends to stabilize, experts say the housing correction might not be over just yet. CTV's Heather Wright reports. Canada's housing market slowed to a crawl at the start of the year, with sales hitting their lowest level since the 2009 Great Recession. According to the Canadian Real Estate Association, home sales were down 37% compared to January 2022 and declined 3% from December. We could be at the bottom if there's no further changes, uh, but it's too tough to tell. Lauren Haw is the CEO of Zucasa and says there are several different factors that could impact home sales and home prices going forward. So if interest rates stay flat and the job market stays buoyant, I do expect prices to level out, sales to come back. Since the Bank of Canada began hiking interest rates last March, the housing market has cooled significantly. And while prices are starting to increase in parts of Atlantic Canada, large parts of Ontario and British Columbia continue to see declines, which could go even deeper. Now we actually expect a 30% peak to trough fall in house prices. Tony Stillo is with Oxford Economics and predicts the market is only about halfway through its correction. You look at that in normal times, it's a housing crash. But in the context of a 50% surge in house prices, unprecedented surge during the two-year period during the pandemic, it's a necessary correction that we think is, is underway to restore affordability in Canada. There is a push to build more affordable homes as well, one that isn't moving quickly enough, according to a report from Desjardins. Ottawa has a target of admitting 465,000 new immigrants this year, and the report says home building needs to increase by at least 50% to meet the demand. While sales and prices have declined, realtors say they won't know the true extent of the housing market slowdown until the spring, typically the busiest time for buying and selling. Heather Wright, CTV News, Toronto. Get Toronto's top stories, breaking news alerts, and watch live. Download the CTV News app. He made an error in judgment, yes, absolutely, but that's not a reason to resign. The mayor said he's resigning. The sooner that happens, the sooner we can get on with the business of making Toronto a great place to live. Updating our top stories, Mayor John Tory's presence is looming large as council debates Toronto's 2023 operating and capital budgets. Tory is the central architect of the budget, who seeks to address a funding gap of more than $1.5 billion. I think this policy will be good for transgender and non-transgender um, staff alike. I think it's good for students as well. Um, most school boards have a policy, a dress code policy for staff and administrators. A new dress code could be put in place tonight for staff at the Halton District School Board. A request came after images of an Oakville teacher wearing prosthetic breasts went viral online in September. Automatic license plate readers. We've had that for some years. It is now rolling out across the province. The OPP is now using automatic license plate readers. The technology allows officers to look for a number of infractions, including expired plates, suspended licenses, and even if a vehicle is stolen. 
On the markets, the loonie was down about a third of a cent to 74.66 U.S. Oil dropped 47 cents to close at 78.59 a barrel. And the TSX gained 15 points to end the day at 20,720. Movie star Raquel Welch has died. The actress who became known for her beauty and sex appeal was so much more. CTV's Andrea Case joins us now with a look back on her career. Andrea. Nathan and Zoraida, good evening. In a career for which she was known for her looks, Raquel Welch said it was the loveliest, most glamorous and fortunate misunderstanding. Introducing the fabulous Raquel Welch, the sensational star discovery of this or any other year. The year was 1966. In the movie business, when they say someone's image is iconic, it doesn't get more iconic than this. Raquel Welch shot to fame not just for her fur bikini-clad role in One Million Years B.C., but the publicity still which promoted the film. I didn't know that this was the direction that the studio was going to have for me, and I had no idea. I thought this movie was going to disappear, you see. And, I, no, I did. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, a caveman epic. Who cares? <laughs> Millions around the world did, and she will forever be known as an international sex symbol, a title she did not like but accepted. I always had a problem because my father was Spanish, and he was very strict what I could wear and what colors I could wear and how I could have my hair. He would freak if he saw me with all this, you know, big haircut, hairdo and everything. Her career spanned five decades and she appeared on Broadway and in 80 television and film productions. Aren't you Raquel Welch? And movie stars are like gods and goddesses. When one fades, another promptly takes its place. In the 1970 comedy Myra Breckenridge, she played a transgender woman who underwent a sex change. I believe the moment of truth has finally arrived. Born Joe Raquel Tejada in 1940, Chicago, to a Bolivian father and American mother, at seven she knew she wanted to be an actress and use theater to escape from some of the pain of real life. At 19, she married her high school sweetheart, James Walsh, the first of four marriages. A teen beauty queen and local weather forecaster, she modeled and then found acting. Studio executives wanted the divorced mother of two to change her name to Debbie, but she was proud of her Hispanic heritage. In 1975, she received a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical for her role in Three Musketeers. Raquel Welsh died peacefully this morning after... A brief and undisclosed illness. She survived by her son and daughter. Raquel Welsh was 82. I got Lindsay's attention when they said that uh, she wanted. She was a weather forecaster. Now Welch once said she wasn't Meryl Streep in a bikini, so she made the best of the opportunities she was given, given and made. She was also a successful businesswoman with a successful line of wigs. See that hair? And an author of a memoir, Beyond the Cleavage. She also had a makeup line with MAC Cosmetics. Raquel Welch, dead at 82. Reporting live, I'm Andrea Case. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. A trip to the nation's capital to inspire young minds. Coming up, a group of children learning about how the Canadian government functions to celebrate Black History Month. Hundreds of children are getting a first-hand look at government. They hopped on a train to Ottawa today as part of a trip to celebrate Black History Month. CTV's Raheem Ladani reports. It's not every morning you see commuters at Union Station this excited. Are you guys ready? But these young travelers have lots of energy because they're heading to... Ottawa! A visit to the nation's capital. 
for 200 kids from the children's breakfast clubs across southern Ontario. We are trying to make sure that the children learn about our government and the system and the, how it works, as well as in celebration of Black History Month and the contribution the Black community has done in Canada, Ontario, Toronto. It's also an opportunity to appreciate how the Canadian government functions. It makes it real and it makes it more possible that they themselves might aspire to eventually be in government. And certainly it gives them some idea about the importance of their vote. While the early wake-up call has some of the kids looking forward to... Others are eager for the possibility of meeting the Prime Minister. I'd probably get a loss of words because I'd be shocked that I would be able to meet the Prime Minister. So it's all aboard the Via train heading east. Four and a half hours later, they arrive in Ottawa re-energized. We're going to learn to learn about Black History Month and see some activities. The group will now visit buildings of parliament and attend a welcome reception with MPs, where some young minds have already prepared their political agenda. Put all the roads to electric uh, cars because the global warming is about to ruin article. It's a trip of a lifetime these kids won't soon forget. Raheem Ladani, CTV News. Very nice. Yeah, and a nice day to be traveling today, too. Yeah, today was a pretty nice day, I think, by, by most people's standards. Interestingly enough, by tomorrow morning, this is going to start to feel like a bit of a distant memory because factor in the winds, it is going to feel like about minus six by the time many are waking up and heading out the door. Here is your wake-up weather. It is worth mentioning, though, of course, that while the day will start off dry, we do have some messy weather that's going to move in a little bit later on in the afternoon and evening. There's tomorrow's forecast daytime highs, about four degrees. We do have some cool Cooler air moving in for Friday. It's going to be seasonably cool, but again, don't get too used to that because the weekend looks milder. Here is one more look at the seven-day forecast, which includes your family day long weekend. Looks like we could be into a few flurries by the middle part of next week. Zoraida and Nathan. Thank you, Lindsay, and be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching. Have a good night. We'll see you at 11.30.